She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I respect the courts. I respect Congress. I respect right here where we're standing. But what they've done is abuse. This is investigation number four of the same thing. Probably five. For some reason, maybe it was lack of confidence on his part that he really couldn't come match the greatness of the challenge that we have. Uh, didn't wasn't really uh, respectful of the reason of the Congress and the White House working together. Instead of walking in happily into a meeting, I walk into look at people that had just said that I was doing a cover-up. I don't do cover-ups. And now, Stacey Washington. Well, the president is right. He doesn't do cover-ups, and I think he's just had it. Uh, this is, I guess, what we've moved into now is, I've had it, you can stuff it, and let's move on. And I think it's absolutely justified. Welcome to the program. It's Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right, here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You can find out more about everything we're doing here at AFR.net, UrbanFamilyTalk.com, and of course, StaceyOnTheRight.com. So let's see. How do we, how do we get, like, if there's so much news today, and I guess that's like every day. Um, well, first of all, we are going to be getting into fantastic content today. The political backlash, charter schools empowering inner city children to escape poverty and failing public schools. The debt problem that I, I kind of teased it yesterday and we ran out of time. So we're going to talk about the penny plan from Senator Rand Paul. We're going to have part two of Don't Give Up from yesterday. And this report that's out that shows that married couples who are regular practitioners of faith, practitioners of faith, so faith uh, faith walk, they, they're basically Christians, people who have a strong faith walk, actually have better marriages. Who would have thunk it? So we're going to go over that report. Um, and then we're going to take your calls. And that's all this hour. You're the guest. Uh, we'll take your calls at 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. And that's going to be uh, really, you're going to be the guest for this first hour of the show. So right now, um, let's talk about the encouragement that we were getting into yesterday, and I want to kind of finish that up today. Um, and I, I was really, like, this is one of those encouragements that you get, you get into it, and it just, there's so much to it. So yesterday, we left off talking about sowing and reaping, the part of not giving up where you acknowledge that when you... When you when you're gossiping, you're you'll be reaping gossip about you. When you're lifting people up and encouraging them, you'll find that others come and lift you up and encourage you. Uh, when you plant, you get corn back, not tomatoes. We talked about how sowing and reaping follows after its own kind. So you can't sow seeds of division and you know pour out strife into other people's lives and expect your life to be strife free and for there to be you know no attacks, et cetera, et cetera. You can also expect reaping to be proportionate to sowing. So in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So um, you, you can't say in, in your garden, you can't put in one seed for a pea plant 
uh, and harvest 300 bushels. It just doesn't work that way. Now, there are some plants that kind of replicate themselves and they spread, you know, and they grow. But generally speaking, in, if you want a huge harvest, you have to plant a lot of seed. If you want to reap the right things, the correct things, the things that uplift and help you to grow and, and are beneficial to you, you have to sow towards the right stuff. You have to sow towards beneficial things and you have to sow abundantly. Um, so one example that I've heard given many times, it's one of my favorites, um, and I like to share it with our kids is, you know, so you spend what, an hour and a half, two hours, maybe possibly three hours in church on Sundays, and you can't expect that one infusion of time with the Lord and gathering together with the saints. It's, it's necessary. It's needed. It's required. You should do it. But if that's the only time you have for God is that one two-hour session a week, then you can't expect to be growing by leaps and bounds in your faith spiritually. It just doesn't happen that way. There are 168 hours in a week. If you're giving one, two, or three hours a week to, in devotion to you know, your faith, that's not going to cut it. That's the basic like entry point. You start from there. Um, you have to, if you want a rich harvest spiritually, you have to sow spiritually in abundance. So it, it's more than that. It's an everyday faith walk. And I know, uh, and, and, and I agree with it completely. You want to have your devotions in the morning or right before bed. If you're a morning person or if you're a night person, you, you do it based on what works best for you. But you want to devote that time to the Lord. But it, it's, it's not just, okay, I've done my 15 minutes of devotion this morning and that's it for the day. It's a continual conversation and relationship that you're growing and pouring into to receive, uh, you know, obviously growth, uh, sanctification and answered prayer and the abundance, which is joy in spite of the circumstances, etc. And so if you spend much time on spiritual matters, you reap much growth in godliness. Basically, you get out whatever you put in. And that's the bare minimum of what you get out. You basic, basic level, you get out what you put in, but you're going to get more out than you put in. That My experience has been Whatever effort I make, God multiplies that and I get back far more than what I've put in. So you have to be willing to endure and struggle at doing good things and right things for longer than just the very immediate short term. It's a commitment. You know you're going to reap. You know that. Um, James 5, 7 through 8 says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. Your reward will come in due time. So that's God's time, not ours. And you'll reap the rewards for doing good when the time is right. And some of those rewards could be spiritual growth in the time of need, um, being there to witness souls coming to Christ, um, the hands of others lifted in praise and worship to God, maybe, and those others, it might be your children, it might be your spouse or a family member, someone that you've been, you know, you've been praying for them. Um, God controls the harvest. He decides when it's ready. He decides how much the harvest will be. It's not ours to schedule. We can't dictate it. It might be a short time. It might be a long time before it comes, but it will come. So don't stop. Don't slack off. Don't allow the enemy to come in and steal your joy in doing right and doing what God has 
ordained for you to do, whatever that is, wherever you find your ministry, which is where you are, don't give up and become weary in well-doing. So I hope that's encouraging. I hope that it's because I'm, I'm certainly not preaching at you or trying to make it seem as if I've got this all under control. This is just as much for me as it is for you. Um, but it's, it's what we're called to do, not to give up, to have faith and to be strong in the Lord, uh, knowing that he is, he is not just willing and able, but that he will do what he's promised us. He does not fail. Uh, so that's the encouragement, the part two of don't give up for today. And the original verse was, um, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. And uh, I hope you'll check that out and maybe meditate on it. And I hope it's a blessing to you. So now, um, there's this report on religious couples having happier lives. But I also promised yesterday, we were talking about immigration and and there was, a, we had someone reach out and say that we didn't actually give the details of what the president's immigration reform plan was. So I want to go to some slides here if you're watching online on the, the live stream for our huge listening audience. I'm going over this info. I want to make sure we have it in the podcast. You can always share it with a friend. You can find the YouTube at Stacy on the Right. And you can just clip out this section to share with someone if you want uh, of the program t- discussing this. So here we go. We have, this is straight from the White House. And they're talking, what they're talking about is the president's recently announced immigration proposal which if we're just looking at it in the natural, this can't happen because this is what they proposed before. But if we're kingdom minded and we know that God answers prayer and that he's able to do all things, we know we have to understand what the plan is and pray that the Lord would deliver the results. What we want to do is is have faith that God will answer our prayers in this area because it's very discouraging right now. The way things look, um, that meeting that the president had with Nancy Pelosi today, um, not exactly the most encouraging thing, but God is able to right every wrong. He's able to make all things new. And so we got to trust him to take care of the situation as well. So he's proposing, the president is, the most pro-immigrant, pro-America immigration plan in the history of this country. And according to the guidelines that we have here, um, it's not developed by politicians. It's designed to have significant input from our law enforcement professionals, which is so important. So here's the rundown of the basic kind of the, 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 uh, the structure around this plan. The president wants to create a permanent self-sustaining border security trust fund for law enforcement finance with fees collected at the border crossings themselves. The president wants to restore integrity to America's broken asylum process by expediting relief for legitimate asylum seekers and sending those who abuse the system back home. Um, He also wants to modernize the dysfunctional legal immigration process by increasing the number of legal immigrants selected based on skill and merit from 12% to 57%. Now, this is a part of the thing that I'm not sure, like, I almost feel like, do I... Do, do I support this? I mean, I support lawful immigration, but this hurts American workers. When we say we're going to get the majority of our talent from overseas, it hurts American workers. So I'm not so sure if I'm fully on board with that. Prioritizing the immediate family of new immigrants, spouses, and children by moving them to the front of the line over distant relatives who use family claims as a tool to get ahead in the queue. So Another way of saying chain migration would be uh, really changed drastically. Um, And then 
Lastly, establishing a standard universal points-based criteria for admission to the United States, no matter where you're born or who you are related to. So the president actually is asserting here that this plan is pro-America and pro-immigrant and that those are synonyms, not opposites, and that illegal immigration is what hurts everyone. A random unfair entry process hurts everyone. Underfunded law enforcement hurts everyone. The only ones opposed to a safer, stronger immigration system are the special interests profiting off of the status quo. So I hope that that is a a good kind of starting point. You can always go to whitehouse.gov and find more information on the plan, more details. And then, of course, I hope to have someone on from the White House to discuss this. Obviously, we had Cassie Smedley on uh, last week, I believe, to discuss it. And we we kind of just basically opened the topic up. But I'd love to have a White House staffer join us. And so we'll see what we can do about that. We're not always able to get who we want to come on the show, by the way. <laughs> Some of these people are hotly in demand and very difficult to book. But we'll we'll see what we can do about that. So that's the immigration plan. Um, and And anything's possible. I would... I'm, I'm going to stay away from um, being negative and, you know, well, it can't happen because of Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is just one person. She's the head of one part of the Democrats, and, and she is not all powerful. She's pretty good at blocking stuff, um, but she, she can't block God. So we'll see what happens. We'll, let's continue to pray over this as we pray for the president and his administration and his family oh, when we sit down for our meals. If you're participating in that, you know, thank you so much and God bless Let's continue on with that and also, you know, praying for the immigration system and and having it righted and rectified. So this report about religious couples having happier marriages, the study actually examines egalitarianism and religion in 21st century relationships. And this is kind of fascinating. Um, It's a joint project of the Institute for Family Studies and the Wheatley Institution, and it uses data from two surveys of respondents in 11 countries. Argentina, Australia, Chile, Canada, Colombia, France, Ireland, Mexico, Peru, the United Kingdom, and America. The authors set out to examine how the now standard bromide that progressive secular social values lead to happier marriages. Now, I can tell you that's not true. I have, anecdotally speaking, seen that, you know, the things that can hurt marriages can hit families that are church-going and families that aren't church-going But we saw a rash of divorces among our non-church-going friends um, when our kids, it was like the year they turned eight and seven. And it went on for about five years. People just get divorced. We'll get more into this. We'll unpack this a little bit further when we get back. I'm Stacey Washington. This is American Family Radio. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, health care, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your health care. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. That's 855-PSALM-23. 
855-PSALM-23. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Some years ago, Karen and I went through a time of discouragement. It was a stretch in our lives where we really needed the love and encouragement of trusted friends, and God in His grace gave us what we needed. A pastor friend and his dear wife came alongside us and gave us a listening ear. They showered us with encouragement and love. Then in recent years, God gave us the joy and privilege of ministering to that very couple and encouraging them in their time of need. We will never forget what they did for us. In 2 Samuel chapter 19, David models for us what we ought to do for those who have helped us in the past. David and his men were in the wilderness running from his son Absalom. While he was out there in the wilderness, an 80-year-old man by the name of Barzillai came alongside and brought them supplies and gave them refreshment and much-needed encouragement. Now David was back in Jerusalem and things were simmering down. Listen to what David did. Verse 39. All the people crossed over to Jordan and the king crossed too. The king then kissed Barzillai and blessed him and he returned to his place. There are some things we need to keep in mind based on this encounter. Number one, honor those who have helped you, especially the elderly. Number two, do all that you can to show your appreciation. Please say thank you to people. Then number three, you will need help in the future. Don't forget about those who have helped you in the past. You might need those same folks tomorrow. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Remember those who have been a blessing in your life. Find out how you can bless and encourage them. You will reap a harvest of joy. Crawford Loritz is senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in suburban Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, go to livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Check us out at StacyOnTheRight.com, UrbanFamilyTalk.com, and AFR.net. Also, our news site. Don't forget, OneNewsNow.com. That's us. Check it out. Share the content that you find there. That's another great way to support the ministry. All right. So um, let's go to the phones. If you want to join us today, you're the guest. It's um, hump day. So Stacy on the Right Show, guest day, audience guest day, listener day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we should come up with something cute and snazzy for it um, and then have, you know, like call it that all the time. We'll work on that. All right. The call lines are open at 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. All right. Brian in Arkansas. Hey, Brian, thanks for calling the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Doing a great job. Probably got one Thank of the you. best ones on the radio at the moment. But uh, anyway... You know, uh, Trump, the way they're treating him, um, obviously, is, uh, you know, mischaracterizing him in, in so many different ways. I'm really hoping that this first four years is kind of a um, a learning uh, a ground for him. And then the next four years, he really takes the gloves off and, uh, you know, really just starts, uh, uh, I hate to say, getting nasty. But, I mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. We've got to start giving as good as we get, and um, I think he's been doing a fantastic job. I think he's been holding back a little bit, and I hope that these next four years he just gives them all that they can handle and then some. 
You know, Brian, thank you. <laughs> because that's how I feel. I really thought after the midterm, no matter what happened, he would be doing that. But I think that the, the issue that we have is that the Republicans, enough of them, don't, like the support he needs in the Senate, he doesn't have it. If I, I think he would be gloves off, swinging for the fences if he just had more support in the Senate where we have control. But he doesn't. And then with Nancy Pelosi controlling the House, you know, it's just it's just not it's not what I thought it would be. Um, but thank you. Thank you for calling the show. And that I'm I, that'll be my prayer that the president is unleashed. Um, I really would like him to be unleashed now to be unleashed and to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to go for it as hard as I can because I want to do what's right for the American people. And I made promises and I'm going to do it this way because winning in 2020 is predicated upon me achieving my goals. And he's done so many great things so far, but on immigration, we are not getting what, what we, we, we're not getting what we paid for with our votes. And um, I know that's not wholly his fault, but he's got to be willing to say, Mitch McConnell, you, I, you work for me, dude, you work for the American people, but you're under me. I'm in, I'm in the executive. You're in the Senate. We're co-equal, but I'm, you're, you're not telling me that I can't shut the border down to get Mexico to act right. Uh, so John in Texas, hey, thanks for calling the show today. Yep, I can't hear him. John? Hello? Hey, Hello? hey, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Very well, man. I've been listening to the show. I enjoy it. Um, just wanted to comment about the, yeah, the immigration um the immigration proposal by President Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, I totally understand what you said about you know the issue of the point system and all that, but that is what Canada uses, and I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I understand the issue of the uh, illegal immigrants. That is not good myself. I'm a immigrant from Nigeria. I came legally white citizen, and I understand that. I totally. Mm, I don't know if you're outside, but we're getting a lot of wind um, while you're talking. If you could like stay in one spot and have the phone to the, Hello? the side. Okay, yes. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Yeah. I said, personally, I'm an immigrant also, you know, uh-huh. and I, uh, I understand the fact that, you know, people want to come in illegally, and that's not right, you know, so we're, um, but the point system, I think it's a good one. Yes. You know, it, it will give people opportunities to come in. And the jobs are there, I think so, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, and you know what? what so thank you for coming lawfully and thank you for being here. And also for being, you know, so when you come in lawfully and you probably had quite a, a, a road to get here and be here in this country. And for you, the people who come in illegally, they're basically jumping the line and making things more expensive for people who are coming lawfully. And you mentioned the point system in Canada. I, I love the fact that you brought that up, John. That is that is what we need here. And I, it's not that I, I'm saying points is the way to go, but some kind of way to categorize prospective immigrants so that we get a, a wide variety of people and that people who are really the best for our country get in, like yourself, um, lawfully and are able to join us. Um, thank you, John in Texas. I appreciate you calling in. And, and uh, thanks for being here. <laughs> um I so that's what I love. See, I could hear a little bit of his accent, you know, being that he's an immigrant and he's calling in and saying, you know, we need to we need a system. We do need a functioning system, right? So it's not about bigotry or xenophobia or any of that stuff. It's it's about acknowledging that we have a country and we want what's best. 
So it doesn't mean every single person who comes into the country is a, um, you know, is a criminal. No, it doesn't mean every illegal alien is a criminal other than they've broken our immigration law, which does make them a criminal. But beyond that, being, you know, being criminally minded, it does, it's no guarantee. But when you're here unlawfully and you're already breaking that law, you do have a more like, like where are the, the fences around you to stop you from doing other things? If you came here for just just economic reasons. And the other part is that if you're not here lawfully, you haven't been given that information about the Constitution and the founding of this country. You have not been told that we want you to be an American. That is really important. We want people who come here to want to be Americans. It doesn't mean you leave behind your old culture and you never, ever have any, you know, any of your history or any of that. But it means that you're primarily an American. You may be like he said he's from Nigeria, I think Nigerian American, but you are primarily an American. And then you have your culture and your your customs and your traditions. And then you learn some American cultures and traditions and then kind of incorporate it in your American experience. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with us saying we want people to do that. Uh, so, so let's, we have a couple more calls. If you want to join us, 866 963 Kevin in Arkansas. Hey, Kevin, thanks for joining the show today. Well, thank you for taking my call, Stacey. Sure, sure. Uh, What uh, what I really wanted to speak about was, uh, you know, we're looking at superficial things as far as, like, the border. We're looking at budgets. Uh, it's, It's the ground game is what I see going on, especially in the Democratic Party. How do you overcome a system that you want to change? Uh, if you can't do it lawfully, then you do it unlawfully. Trying to collapse a system, for instance, immigration, look at the toll that it's taking upon we the people of what we put in in taxes and how it's being spent. And, and the Democrats are, are hell-bent to collapse the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever you overwhelm something, then then – then once it collapses, now you can make an end run around what you want, what your agenda is. And that's what I see it doing. They have an agenda, and it's not the will of the people. Mm, so well put, Kevin. So you're right. They're, and I think when, what you're saying is the immigration and these other issues, the budget, they're serious, but they're not. They're, it's the whole package of collapsing the system that enables them to make these inroads. And I really truly believe that because sometimes when – a politician or a leader will make a statement about something. Um, I, I think sometimes it can be that they're speaking from a place where there's a bit of a prophetic nature to it. And when Donald Trump said that he was trying, he, he wanted to come in and drain the swamp. Well, that was the first time I'd heard that reference for the United States government, the federal government. It was my first time kind of like drain the swamp. And so it, I was like, a lot of people were excited by it, but I kind of thought, what, what can that mean? And, and over the past two and a half years, we've really seen him systematically taking on portions of the federal government. And the pushback has been extreme. I mean, can you imagine back in the George Bush years or the Bill Clinton years, um, the Republicans launching a fake investigation into a candidate who then won the presidency and trying to use that investigation to remove him from office? Can you imagine the Republicans doing that? One of the things that's happened with the Republicans, and I know it's been written about a ton, and but I, I truly believe it's, it's uh, factual, 
is that because of what happened with Richard Nixon and the lies that he told and the way he was he stepped down, he wasn't impeached. Um, it kind of put the Republican Party on a straight and narrow path where I was joking around about the sweater vests and all that stuff. But Republicans wanted to overcome that image of having a president who had to resign from office because he did, you know, criminal things. And so because of that, they always err on the side of, well, you know, we want to be lawful. Now, that doesn't mean we have any haven't had any Republicans make mistakes or or, you know, be corrupt or anything. But they have much more to prove. They have kind of it's it's as if the Republican Party has since that time just really been focused on this can never be us again on the Democratic side, because, you know, obviously they had Bill Clinton. He was impeached. But Bill Clinton was. That was for the kind of misbehavior that you have in your private life that the Republicans said, you you know, the presidency is a moral office and you can't have this. Um, but it started off as the Watergate thing. Right. So the Republicans were investigating him. They did smell a rat. They knew he had, you know, white water and all that other stuff in his past that he'd gotten away with. And they didn't want him to be able to get away with anything as the president. But this is different. The president has been exonerated, yet we still see basically an overwhelming of our immigration system, the refusal to pass a budget or work on balancing the budget and reducing our yearly deficit of a trillion dollars. And then this kind of it's just a, it's it's even Nancy Pelosi today, the interchange between the president and Nancy Pelosi today, where she actually said he was engaged in a cover up. I don't really believe and y'all know I have no love for Nancy Pelosi before y'all start emailing me and saying, don't say nice things about Nancy Pelosi. This isn't anything nice, but I don't actually believe she wants to impeach the president. She said as much, but I also don't believe she's fully in control of the Democrats anymore. Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio, you know, occasional cortex or whatever her next nickname is. Um, Tlaib, you know, in a very smaller way, she's like a sidekick to their little superhero team of evil. But, Nancy's no longer the queen bee. Last time she was speaker of the house, she wielded the the gavel with expeditious force. She was an extreme entity that no Democrat would ever cross. Now she's in charge on paper. She gets to hold the gavel, but her caucus, the progressive caucus, they they actually didn't want her. They actually were people that had to be kind of brought along kicking and screaming to her leadership. And they're working to get rid of her. And part of what they're doing is they're screaming about impeachment and they're they're browbeating her. They're putting her in the same position that we've seen our two rhino senators in so many times. Lisa Murkowski is the one I think of most often um, who is bullied by the senatorial women. The, the female senators on the Democratic side bully her and they make her vote with them. Some of it she's she's fine with. But the more extreme position, she votes with them because I think she's actually afraid of them. It's like that situation where you see the mean girls and they have one of the sidekicks who's not fully a mean girl, but she helps execute all of their dastardly plans because she doesn't want to be on their bad side. And it's interesting to watch Nancy Pelosi go from being this super confident red coat, you know, uh, aviator sunglass wearing, you know, prima donna. And, you know, she's queen of the world. She's more powerful than the presidency. It's interesting to watch her be degraded and pushed down, pushed around, uh, really. And I, I don't have any sympathy for her. These are the people that she's, you know, decided these are my people. And this is what happens. It's a cautionary tale for all of us. When you see the folks who you, you're like, oh, 
they're kind of scary. Not scary like, you know, scary good, but because, you know, but scary bad. Like you see them and you see the way they operate and you think, wow, that's kind of ruthless. If you throw in your lot with the ruthless people, don't be surprised when they, they decide, okay, now it's, our, it's your turn. Yield. And if you don't yield, then they start working on you. And that's what we're watching. The very seeds that Nancy Pelosi has sown into her political party and into this country in her decades in Congress, the actions she has deliberately taken to overthrow the Christian moral foundation that used to be the basis for K through 12 education and higher education in this country. Nancy Pelosi has been instrumental in tearing it down with her own hands. She has turned away from wisdom and wise counsel. She has pushed out anyone who would disagree with her radical uh, kind of bent. And, And the further to the left she's moved, the harder it has been for her to control those around her. And it's because they're more radical than she is. She's rough, but she's not as rough as the gang she's thrown in with. And now, and I think it's super unfortunate, she's about to find out just how strong the seeds are that she's sown, just how rough the crew that she's thrown in with, how rough they really are. They're going to force her to do some kind of impeachment proceedings. They're, they're not going to give it up. And doing that is going to be just my opinion, y'all. You know, that's what this show is. Um, I think it's going to be what cost them the, the election. Because enough Americans have said they don't want impeachment. I think the number is somewhere in the 60 percentage range. They don't want impeachment for this to be a non, this is, this is not what they want to do. And I'm not saying that because I want Democrats to win. I don't want them to win. I believe that the, the Democratic Party as it stands right now, the party apparatus, I'm not talking about regular people who are voting with them, who are trying their best to you know, find their way through in this new socialist, Marxist, commie Democratic Party. I'm talking about the leadership, the hardcore activists, and the people you see up all the time holding the pink signs and wearing the anatomical suits and saying the horrible things and chanting Hail Satan. Those people, those activists and those who are funding them and those who are in leadership in the Senate and in the House and all over this country working for the DNC and the Democrats, those people, they're nowhere close to being in a biblical way about what they're doing in this country. There's nothing in the Bible that you can find, even if you're going to cherry pick verses and make them mean whatever you want, you can't find justification for the current actions that the Democrats are foisting on America. The immigration, abortion, the moral stances, the attacks on marriage, the attacks on the male-female dichotomy and gender, there's no biblical justification for it. Stacey Washington, be right back. Have you ever found yourself so embarrassed in a situation that you couldn't even look a person in the eye? One day I was in the drive-thru of a famous fast food restaurant and I was giving my order to whom I thought was a man but turned out to be a woman. Oh my goodness. I found that out because I said yes sir and she quickly corrected me. I was so embarrassed I couldn't even finish the order so I drove off. That was a true story of fear and embarrassment. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
My brothers and sisters, do not operate as I did and drive away due to fear creeping in. Know that the spirit of the living God lives in you. And with him, he can bring about that courage that you didn't even realize was already in you. With the heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Victoria Hollyfield. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com. When my mother passed away, I started running the streets and dealing drugs. But when I came to Teen Challenge, people saw past my rap sheet. And with their support, I started a whole new life, drug-free. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult and Teen Challenge can help. There are centers across the country, and you can find the one nearest you at 855-AND-ADDICTION or at TeenChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk. Stand by. The Bill Sack Radio Show spotlights Christian rap artists. But never try to put me on the pedestal. The Lord is working on me. I'm getting better still. Hear in-depth interviews and news about upcoming releases. What's your motivation? motivation. motivation. Sack is the biblically sound artist coalition. Don't miss the BSAC Radio Show. Saturdays from 10 a.m. to noon central on Urban Family Talk. Media Minute with Howard Kurtz. Have we become a nation of news addicts in the Trump era, and is that unhealthy? Guardian columnist Oliver Berkman writes that the news for many of us is no longer one aspect of the backdrop of our lives, but the main drama. He says, well, you might say the news is simply so crazy right now, yet the news has often been crazy. What's different now? It's available on our phones 24-7. He says that raging on Facebook, for example, or sharing posts feels like doing something. That might be an illusion, but it is a powerful one. And you you see this in your own lives. You go to work, the office, you talk to people uh, at the park, at the dry cleaners. Everybody seems to be talking politics. Everybody's checking their phones. Everybody often seems angry. This is the way that journalists experience the world, but until recently, ordinary civilians did not. Maybe we all need to take more breaks from nonstop news consumption. And maybe, at times, that includes me. With your Media Minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Excellent points about how the Democrats on the committee are more interested in public relations than fact-finding. And the very fact that they had this televised hearing, it wasn't really a hearing, it was kind of a joint speech-making, suggests that, that what the Democrats want to do is provide the illusion of an impeachment process without actually opening up one. Because they know if they do open up one, it could be a political backlash against them at the polls. Hey, welcome back to the program. We're still taking calls and really enjoying being uh, with you today. And thank you for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Stacy Washington, glad to be with you right now. Uh, let's go back to the phones. By the way, if you want to join us, 866 963 2037 866 963 2037. Um, Leroy in Kansas. Hey, Leroy, thanks for calling the show. Oh, thank you. But uh, like I was telling the gentleman earlier, uh, the Democrats, they're, they're trying to destroy this country. Mm-hmm. And they need to get themselves together and go back to the way it was and change their ways instead of doing all the crooked stuff and not working with Trump. Trump, God put Trump in there. Mm-hmm. Whether they believe it or not, if they don't, they're going to find out they're going to be in a heck of a mess because uh, 
God's not going to let it keep on. And them killing babies, so, uh, God's liable to put the blood on their hands for killing all them babies. I agree. I, in fact, Leroy, I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the fruit of that is, you know, the rise in school shootings, the fact that we've had terrorism on our home soil. That has never been something Americans have had to deal with. We've always seen terrorism over there, never here. Now we have it in our country. We have it happening. Um, we have over 1,100 investigations into terrorism going on right now with the FBI. Uh, you know, you're, you're so right. And, and I just want to point out, this isn't about, because I don't think you, Leroy, you know, I don't think you are saying the Republican Party is Christian and the Democrats are not. You're saying their actions, the things they're voting for, the things they're foisting on America, forcing us to participate in, like this open border and the sex trafficking and abortion on taxpayer funded, that that is what is going to bring the judgment, not, not just because they're one political party or the other. Right. The Republicans are going to have to answer for the same thing. And so is independents and Democrats. They're all, anybody that's for uh, taking the lives of little children. Yeah. Uh, the blood shouldn't, God should just let the blood be on their hands because uh, that, that's, that's bad. Yeah, it is. And and you're right. It's, but But one thing we can be assured of is that God knows not only our hearts, but the actions that we've taken. And if we're supporting it, then the blood is on our hands. If we're opposed to it and we're fighting it, then it's not. It's it's pretty it's pretty easy. You can be for it or you can be against it, but you can't sit in the middle. Um, Jasmine, thank you for calling the show today. Hi, thank you, Stacey. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate you. I love what thank you, you do. Um, I started a when I love it. Um, but I, one thing I wanted to comment was, you know, my husband came to the United States legally. We did the weight process, and it's not fair for people to jump the line and um, the United States of America that aren't for them. You know, we need to have a system put in place where they can't access, you know, these government programs because it's not fair for people for american citizens and you know people who do things the right way we should mm-hmm. get punished and you know kind of hand get an easy you know kind of thing the right word but you know it's just not fair it's not right for americans to have yeah, to I, do that i agree i agree jasmine thank you for calling the show and i think what you're expressing is what's happened to a lot of americans and actually Um, I have a couple of friends who their husbands are like yours, you know, lawful immigrants. And they have talked about how lengthy the process is and how often the husband, you know, will have to travel back to the home country to do something and then come back to the United States and how hard it is for them to get a job. But we make it so easy for illegal aliens. They just come on in and they get work in our black market and they start getting government services and they immediately get pregnant. And have a, an anchor baby so they can get government benefits, so they can move into, you know, Section 8 housing or get a housing voucher. They're doing all this while Jasmine's husband and so many other, you know, husbands, wives, what have you, that want to come into the country, they're having just the worst time. I mean, in fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 is the process. It doesn't always cost that much, but it can be, you know, that, that expensive, and for people who want to be Americans, they're happy to pay. They work it out. 
But how is it fair that someone from Bangladesh just flies to Mexico and crosses the border illegally and they're here for 20 years? How's that fair? It's not. It's not fair. Um, So Doris in Arkansas. Hey, Doris, thanks for calling the show today. Oh, thank you for accepting my call. Uh, Sure. And excuse my voice, I'm recuperating. Uh, Basically, uh, I'm not understanding uh, all the laws and everything involved in this, but um, I think that a moratorium on um, immigration should be put in effect immediately Mm -hmm. until the mess is straightened out. I agree. uh, Mm. If they close the border, except for trade and legals, you know, I know that's very involved, but it can be done. Uh, And then the next thing is that they need to get all the uh, people that's here illegally rounded up somehow or other and ship them back. Uh, It's just ruining our, our, our economy and our way of living and everything else. So uh, I, if I was the president, I'd, I'd find a way to do it. Uh, and I know he's got the Congress to mess with it. Uh, the laws sure need to be uh, redone and mm-hmm. uh, totally, totally redone. So I, I agree. And, and uh, God's blessings and Godspeed on your recuperation and recovery, Doris. Thank you. And your your comment is spot on. We So what what exactly... Um, so we won't have any avocados for a while. I think we're going to survive like this. It's just the, the fruit du jour. We do not have to have avocados at every meal. Like what we're doing right now. When you go to a restaurant, it's every meal. It's an avocado. (laughs) I mean, come on. Um, so call lines are still open for you. Um, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Right now, while we are just still in this subject matter. And I did, I did have one more thing I wanted to share about this and we're going to get into charter schools, empowering inner city children um, and all of that. But I wanted to get into this, this, I, I gave you some of it. The the study that I mentioned by the Institute for family studies, uh, the authors were Bradford Wilcox, Jason Carroll and Lori DeRose. And they wrote about it in the New York times. And um, they talked about the, people who are stuck in the middle between having a religious or egalitarian marriage and that people who were somewhere in between were consistently worse off. But they looked at roughly 5,000 couples and they based some the the kind of the questions and the answers and the results covered the frequency of religious attendance. And then the couples were classified as either secular, religious, or mixed. And the survey data shows that highly religious couples report higher rates of marital and sexual satisfaction than their mixed or secular peers. And this goes right back to scripture where God says, if you obey, you will be blessed. But not only that, he talks about the marriage bond replicating the Godhead. And we know that there is satisfaction and joy in the Godhead. And we can have this same experience in our marriages by doing them the way that God has ordained it. And then there's all of the community and the resources that come with being in a religious community. When, when you're plugged in at church, you can do Bible studies. You can do marriage retreats. You can be around other couples who encourage you and pray for you and pray with you and come alongside you if there should be a difficulty. Uh, so we still have plenty of time for calls. Let's go back to the phones. 
Hey, James, thanks for calling the show today. Thank you for taking my call, Miss Stacy. Sure. I am a ex-military combat veteran. Thank you for your service. Okay. My wife, thank you, ma'am. My wife come from a foreign country. I fought for this country. I put my life on the line on it. To bring my wife here as an American citizen, it cost me thousands of dollars to have her background checked, have her high school records, elementary school records, and everything translated to English. How does the Democrats think it's fair that they want to turn around and let all the illegal criminals that come across here illegally off in the country, give them free things, and make an American citizen pay to bring somebody to this country that they have fallen in love with? As a military veteran, I take that as an insult. Mm, it is totally an insult. And so you're in a situation that I, I grew up on uh, military bases in Germany. And so I'd say maybe a third of my friends were families like yours, where one was active duty service member and then the other one was she was either German, French. I mean, you name it, Thai, Vietnamese, the, the, the wife. And sometimes it was the wife was on active duty. It was the husband. but Mostly it was the husband and the, the wife was an immigrant and they would you know, have to go through this process. They would get married um, in the home country, wherever the, the service member was stationed, and then have to go through the process of, like you said, background checks. And people forget all these costs that you had to pay. And you were serving our country while this was going on. But it was still the same hardship for you as it would be for anybody else. Meanwhile, illegals are just pouring in. They're not getting married so they can come here. They're just coming here and having a baby. And it's crazy. I just can't believe people don't see that as a total insult to us. Um, so uh, let's go to, um, okay, yeah, let's go to John in California. Hey, John, thanks for calling the show today. Hi, Stacey. I love your show. I'm pro-life. I know you're pro-life, and I'm also yeah. a strong Christian. I wanted to women's point of view on incest and rape on this new abortion issue that we're struggling to uh, struggling with uh okay so first off the position that i hold as a pro-life person is it's biblical and it's not based on wanting to punish anyone or viewing a baby that is born as a result of rape as a punishment or a, a baby that's born as a result of incest as punishment. Um, obviously, those are things that should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, the rape and the incest. But that being said, that's, that's already laws that have been broken and they need to be prosecuted. The baby is the innocent victim as well. They are a victim as much as the mother is because the way that they were created has basically put them at odds with huge segment of our society that wants to see them killed. Now, I, I always go back to, I could explain it to ad nauseum, but instead I prefer to go to Ryan Bomberger, who he himself is the product of a rape. His mother was raped by his father. He does not know his mother or his father because when he was born, he was given up for adoption into a family, a couple that adopted like most of his siblings are adopted and they're a huge family. And he talks about how, because his mother made that choice not to punish him because of what his father did, he's alive and he's married and they have children. Not only that, but he got to experience growing up in an adopted family that wanted him and loved him and brought him up as, as a God fearing Christian man. And so 
that woman who experienced that horrible rape sowed a seed into life that is now reverberating throughout our country because he's a national speaker and he's blessed so many. Like I've, I've been so blessed by him listening to him speak, listening to him talk about his family, his wife and his kids, listening to him talk about growing up in that adoptive home that, that, you know, took him as a baby and, and raised him. And I just, I can't stress it enough that the answer to some person, some violent depraved individual raping a woman is not to kill the baby that results. And there are plenty of women who are now coming forward and talking about how their baby is a result of a rape, but they don't hate the baby. They love the baby. And the baby has now grown up and given them grandkids. And, you know, so that's the answer. This is the problem with sin and depravity. We, We can never have an answer for every single sin that happens that is consequence free or doesn't involve someone having to kind of go outside of what would be the normal reaction and stepping out in faith. And so for people who don't understand what I've just expressed, it's not about your feelings towards the person who did the rape or the incest. It's about the baby being innocent. And if you are against the depravity, the subjugation, the horror of the rape or the incest that happened to the woman, you should definitely be against further victimizing another separate human being who is completely innocent by ripping them apart limb from limb and destroying them for simply coming into existence, which they had no control over. I hope people hear what I just said from my heart and not from a position of me trying to rain down some kind of judgment from on high or that I just only care about fetuses. I don't care about women. Obviously, that's not true. And I know I don't have to prove that to you. I don't have to tell you what I do in that area. God knows, and he is my judge. And he is the one that I live to please, not you. I love the listeners, but I'm here for what God told me to do. All right. God bless you from the heartland. I'm Stacey Washington.